All right, thank y'all for tuning in. Today we got Dominic Whitehead, former graduate from IC Norcom High School, Bethune Cookman, currently a member of the NAACP. Um, big shout out to you for coming up here, man, because what's, what's going on right now, you could be anywhere doing anything, but <clears throat> you took time to come up here, man. So I just want to say I appreciate you taking the time out. Yeah, most definitely, man. I uh, appreciate you uh, for reaching out um, and connecting the dots, man, inviting me. Anything uh, for the home team, anything for Portsmouth, right, um, and, and and really putting us on the map. So I'm happy that you reached out, bro. All right. And let's jump straight in. All right, so you're from Portsmouth, Virginia, and not saying that it's nobody else who's into, like, the put political politics and anything what led you to go that route yeah man i think for me um to be honest i think i, I take it back to to high school in a way uh, uh or just growing up all together i always had interest in history i always had interest in like you know uh, any type of government stuff um overall so when I left at 17 and went down to Daytona, uh, the Bethune-Cookman, um, I just did a whole, a whole different path um, and got involved on campus, uh, whether it be like student government association, um, got involved in like political groups and stuff on campus and just saw a whole new pathway. Um, but then most importantly for me, I just I honestly have always cared about people um, overall um, and just really helping folks. Um, normally we come from, I'm from um, downtown Portsmouth, right? Um, so from the Brighton Prentice Park area for the most part. Uh, so for me, I've seen the struggle. I know what the struggle looks like um, for people like us, uh, people of color, um, black folks. So being able to, you know, figure out a way, how do I give back and, and, and taking this route was the best way for me. All right. All right. So being from Portsmouth, you said you want to give back to, co to the community. Did you have to go through like police brutality any sort of way growing up? Um, I, I would say yeah and no. Um, I would say yeah. I mean, I remember going to uh, some of the uh, some of the parties and stuff, like, you know, growing up, especially during my mm -hmm. time, and when our parties and stuff would get, you know, shut down um, for no reason. I forget the joint or whatever I bet you're crossing. I vaguely remember the armory, I think. Yeah. It's, it's the one behind there. So I remember just going to those, um, you know, high school team parties, after the game parties and stuff like that. And I do recall a lot of our like parties being shut down, regardless if it was, uh, you know, something for whatever reasons why they shut it down. But of course, um, of course, when police would, would show up, um, for a bunch of teenagers, most of us between the ages of 16, 18 years old at the time, 15, 18 years old, it would be overly aggressive uh, in my opinion um, at times. I don't think I connected that as police brutality back then, but now that I think about it and seeing everything that's going on, I would say uh, that would be, that was some form of police brutality in some ways. Okay. And all right, that's interesting. So at 15, 18, we're not thinking as police brutality. We thinking that's just normalized police. Yeah. Yep. Why is that though? Like, why why do we see that as normal life? 
I think, man, I think we condition the way I think. I think we see it as a normal life, the way it's doing police work, because we're conditioned to think that um, police is law and order, right? Police is, uh, they, they lay down the law, what they say goes, how they say it goes, um, and they are the ultimate authority. Uh, and I think that's how we saw it. We looked at it like, oh, that was the police, so we need to um, like, tighten up and do what we need to do. Uh, when that's when actuality, police, they are law and order in a way, but it's a way that you do law and order. Um, and again, I'm just tying it back to a lot of those parties that we used to be at, you know, back in the day and stuff like that. We, we would, they knew we were teenagers. Mm -hmm. So I think because they know that we were teenagers, they would over-exercise um, their authority um, in some ways. Um, and we, most of us would comply. Some of us won't, you know, we, we, we pop back off or say what we needed to say. Um, but I think we're conditioned um, just as a people, regardless of enforcement, whatever. I think black folks are conditioned in so many ways. Um, and it's just generations after generations that, you know, um, police are, are law and order at the end of the day. Um, and they exercise or have, have demanding authority, if you will, um, over stuff. So I think we just conditioned from it. That's interesting because I was talking to a friend. I'm like, the things that we go through is like, we, we look at it as normal when in actuality is not normal. And mm -hmm. people shouldn't go go through that things, which lead me to my next question. Um, we witnessed George um, Floyd get murdered on TV. Well, social media that transpired the TV all over, and all of, I think the day it said each state had a protest. All fifty states had a protest, and you're you're. I'm not going to say used to it, but you're familiar with protesters. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts of the protests like? What are some do's and don'ts during protesters? Because I, I see different things like why they're looting, why they're um, burning buildings. Um, yeah. They're not peaceful. Like, I went out this weekend, mm -hmm. and being in there, I see a total different viewpoint. Yeah. So, so, so what you think about that? So, uh, one, I'm, I am all for uh, protests. Uh, live in D.C. I went down. I was out um, Saturday night. I uh, had some downtime and, and went to protests on, on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon around 6 and stayed out there to midnight. Um, but in terms of protests, like you said, man, I'm not, I'm not new to protesting. Um, I'm, I'm with it. Um, I believe in it um, all the way to the max. I think folks, um, got the right uh, to express how they feel freedom of speech in this country. That's how we make any progress. Um, in terms of, I feel like there's levels of protest these days. You got like peaceful protests of what folks call, um, where folks are peaceably protesting or marching in the streets or, you know, um, staying in and, and really just putting out what they believe in and what they say. Um, and then you have, um, what some folks are calling looting or riots and, where I am against um, in, some, in, in some instances looting and what that looks like, but at the same time, I do understand why people are looting and why people are rioting. So when we think about what happened in Minnesota and just using George Floyd as an example, um, about a year and a half, um, earlier this year, excuse me, NAACP or late last year, um, we did an economic study um, on the disparities between the African-American community um, and communities of non-color of non um, in Minneapolis, actually throughout the entire city of Minnesota, 
um, but definitely there in Minneapolis. And we saw overwhelmingly disparities when it comes to housing, when it comes to the job, um, job placement, uh, when it comes to the income uh, wealth gap. So time after time, when black folks are telling you we're not getting jobs, um, the economic wealth gap is there's a gap there. There's um, nonstop criminal justice activity from police brutality to over sentencing to mandatory sentences to whatever the case you believe, um, whatever the case that you see. At some point, people are going to get tired um, and they're going to riot. Um, and I really do believe um, uh, folks are rioting not because they just want to tear down shit and tear up shit. Um, only way I think that folks will get our attention. Now folks see our attention, they want to do mandatory um, curfews in certain states. You see 45 right now, um, he is enacting military, wanting to enact the military if mayors and governors can't control um, or feel they can't control their cities. Uh, so for me, I understand the importance of protesting. I understand the importance of rioting. Um, I'm not a full fan fully support what rioting looks like, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I don't know why people are rioting. People are hurt. People are hungry. Um, people are out of jobs. We're going through COVID-19 right now. Um, black folks are disproportionately most affected um, by COVID-19 alone uh, for, for so many reasons. Um, and then on top of another killing, on top of that, a census killing from police, um, at some point, people are going to, people just going to, it's tired of being tired and, and, and things like this will happen. But I also want to um, say we're not doing all the rioting. I think the media make it seems like that black folks uh, or young black kids are, are doing most of the rioting. Um, but over the last few days, and our organization has been putting light to it um, as well, that we are seeing non-people uh, of color, uh, white folks to be exact, um, who are actually um, rioting and, and looting um, and, and tearing down buildings and doing all of that good stuff, but also giving bricks and stuff to to uh, young African-American kids for them to really throw stuff at buildings and, and, and do all of that stuff. So I think there's two conversations when we talk about the rioting and it gotta be one. There's a reason why there's some rioting happening in black communities and black neighborhoods. Um, and then there's also another conversation where we have some quote unquote white allies or white supporters who think that is helpful. Um, and it's not helpful because they do the rioting, they do the looting. They're not the ones on television uh, being looked at. It's us and saying, hey, Look at those folks on the rise and the looting. Um, and then they're doing it in the name of Black Lives Matter, which isn't, which, which isn't cool at all. So I'm all for protest, man. Um, but it needs to be smart protests and then behind protests, what are the action items? So are you going to register to vote? Are you going to vote in November? Uh, are you going to organize in your community? Like all of that. Good. So what are the action items behind the protest as well? Okay. All right. So... Well, you answered the question because one of the questions I had was about the people that's not African-Americans that's doing the looting and rioting and, and aggressive things. But also, I've seen videos of cops breaking windows undercover. Mm -hmm. I've seen cops in uniform break windows, trying to break windows. I've seen, I've seen a cop today um forcefully place a weapon in a rioter hand but somebody recorded it i've seen a cop with a um truck bed full of bricks bring them out there so how are we going to hold the police accountable for the actions that they are doing 
Yeah, man, that's that's a real thing. Um, I've seen it too. I've seen the videos. I actually seen it. Uh, I think I said Saturday. I was out protesting, and I knew these guys were were cops. You just know you know what cops look like. Um, they were clearly, um, but they were cops, and they were you know dressed undercover, if you will. But they definitely like they were going to agitate protesters, um, which turned a peaceful protest into something else when you start agitating people and messing with people. But in terms of holding um, cops accountable, um, listen, uh, November, we got a presidential election. And I am um, get out and vote and vote in November because we got to get somebody in different than 45. I don't even say his name, but different than 45 in there. Um, but local and state elections, man, they are the most important elections. So when we're electing our mayors, when we're electing our sheriffs, um, when we're electing um, our police chiefs in some cities where you do elect police chiefs, um, or where a mayor is able to appoint um, the DAs, um, district attorneys, and prosecutors. Those are the elections that we got to be key and focus in because those are the elections that has that really focus in on accountability in terms of law enforcement um, in this country. I take it back to, again to George Floyd, man. Um, for instance, the attorney general in Minnesota is Keith Ellison, uh, who is a uh, former congressman. Um, but now he's the AG and taking full charge of, of the George Floyd case. That's a good thing. That's a black man. He, he's fairly progressive, if not all the way progressive. Um, he, he's a Democrat, if that matters. Um, that always doesn't matter. But um, it's someone that looks like us that can represent though, that case. So to hold uh, police officers accountable, the first step, honestly, is at the ballot box. It sounds corny. It sounds cliche. Um, but man, voting in those local elections, it, it matters more more than anything because you really do determine uh, what local jurisdiction looks like in your state or in your city. And that's, that's just a fact, man. Uh, we saw what happened with Trayvon Martin um, almost what, eight years ago in Florida. Um, local local jurisdiction that matters, local prosecutors, all of that stuff, it, it absolutely matters every single time. And every time cops get off from from cases like this, we may get a civil suit. Um, but those cops get their jobs right back um, because oftentimes when we think about the judicial, the judges, or we think about the prosecutors or folks who are leading on those cases from the state or from the city, um, they're not folks who represent values like us. Um, so they're able to uh, find ways for those folks to get off. And, and that's what happens. So it really does happen at the ballot box, um, especially on that local election and really voting that ballot all the way down. And that's true, man. Like, I have so many conversations. People who know me, I'm not political, but at the yeah. same time, I'm a realist. So like, when people always say this quote, what did Obama do for us? I always tell people, it's more of your local elections. The ones that you vote every year, I say you have to go out and do that because we vote for this man every four years. Yeah. He's, he's over the United States. Yep. Your locals is what's important. So, how how do we get people to understand more of the local elections? Because when Obama ran, it was like, all right, we had athletes, we had rock stars, pop stars, rappers, we had actors. Everybody was riding. Everybody was getting buses to get people to go vote. Make sure they yeah. got their ID situation because you know they end up trying to pass a. I think they passed a law about you need a certain ID to vote for your voter registration. Um, yeah. But when we don't, didn't have a um, black president run, 
the voting seemed like it went down. No, it's how a fact. We, how, how do we do that? How do we get it back engaged? Yeah. Um, I mean, first and foremost, man, when it comes to elected officials, man, um, they have to be willing and wanting to engage. I mean, we're dealing with that with Joe Biden right now, right? Though Joe Biden was Obama's vice president, um, Joe Biden is in, I won't say too much fire, but, you know, he's in some fire. His comments he made about a week and a half ago on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's trying to change that up now. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, folks got to, folks got to on any level of, 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 of government, Black, black folks is the largest voting block for the in the Democratic Party. I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, so our, without our vote, Democrats can't win. That's just real. Um, and I think we have to hold elected officials accountable on what we want to see done when they are elected. And then the things aren't done when they are elected, take them out of office. In terms of a candidate like President Obama, um, what folks got to realize is, yes, it was great that we got Obama in in 2008 and 2012. But 2010, uh, we screwed them over by not going to vote um, in the midterms on the congressional level, right? Same thing we did in 2014, we screwed them over. Um, so many things that he wanted or could have got done, he wasn't able to get done because that was held up in, in, in Congress, whether that was on the House side or the U.S. Senate side. But then even break it down even further um, down to, to the local elections, like you just mentioned, it, it, it really is it's that education piece. Um, to folks, man, and really connecting the dots. Um, when you think about uh, your school systems and, and the school system isn't good or you want the school system to be better, you got to think through, you vote for your school board members. That's just nonstop. And that is almost, Virginia have elections actually every year. I know that for a fact. There's an election in Virginia every single year. So that means you got state elections happening, you got federal elections happening and local elections happen every year. When we just talk about police brutality and, and, and focusing in on our mayors and stuff, when you want to see stuff done locally in your community, you, you just got to vote. Um, but then at the same time, we also got to hold elected officials accountable. But then you just make a valid point. We saw the vote numbers go down um, after Obama. Um, and, and research has proven, man, when a person of color is on the ballot, um, at the end of the day, the vote count goes up. People of color will turn out and young people typically turn out. So I think the first step too, the next step is people like us got to run for office. People like us got to run for office and we got to support young people um, and black people running for office. All right. Support it nonstop. And that's, just, that's, 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 no, that's a fact right there. Um, people got to step up and really step into their leadership, step into their power. And if you want to see change get done, you run for office, um, you get involved locally, join local organizations that's doing the work um, and really do the education of folks to make sure that we're getting folks out the vote. Uh-huh. And I, I do believe that, um, like I said, I'm not a real political person, but yeah. I have my grandma when I used to be like, yeah, I'm going to vote when the year come. Well, nah, the president don't vote this year. No, you got to vote for your local officials. They are just as important. And I didn't, it didn't register me until I got older and I started understanding yeah. and reading. So, um, but my, my last question is after, after this, do you believe we will get a new civil right act? Um, <laughs> and, and, 
If not, what's stopping us from getting a civil, a new civil right act? Um, I don't think it's more what's stopping us to getting a new civil rights act. Um, I think it's expanding on the civil rights. Um, I do think with the with the right president, the right Congress, and the right U.S. Senate. Um, we can push in for a stronger civil rights act or civil rights bill um, that covers a lot of stuff. But I think also what folks don't realize what's important is that Supreme Court, right? Um, so, you know, President Trump or Trump, he has been stacking up um, the, low, the lower courts across the country since he's been in office. Um, and more than likely, if, if he were to take this win again in November, uh, he will be able to appoint maybe one or two new Supreme Court um, judges, um, given the fact that some folks may retire um, off the Supreme Court. And I think that is important. So that depend a new Civil Rights Act also depends on the Supreme Court. Uh, and we got a Supreme Court that looks like uh, America today um, and that honestly understands um, the Black community as a whole. Um, so I think it's a 50-50. I think it depends on what we do in November. Um, I think it depends on uh, what we do past November um, because you just don't vote and then stop. You still got to do a whole bunch of stuff after voting. So if we do what we're supposed to do this November um, at the White House um, and then also in Congress and then in the U.S. Senate, I can see a stronger Civil Rights Act. The current House of Representatives has proposed uh, new provisions in, civil, in the Civil Rights Act that I thought was actually absolutely well and, and strong in Congress. Of course, a lot of that stuff don't pass on the Senate side because we don't have the numbers um, on the Senate side, so it get blocked. Um, but yeah, we absolutely do need a new Civil Rights Act um, to, to really uh, focus in on modern day times and what's happening now um, and really putting more protections into, into what's already existing. All right. And that's something that I've been thinking about, like, if we will get a new civil rights act. So, mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, we got to get the numbers in to make the change. Yep. All right. Um, so what, what is, what's new with the NAACP? What's some things that we should be looking forward to? Oh, man. That's a good question, man. Um... And, and, and how do you become a member? It, like, how do you call yeah. a part of it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's new NACP? So, you mentioned earlier I'm a member, but I'm, I'm actually, I am a member too, um, but I'm actually the National Civic Engagement Director for the NAACP. Um, okay. So, I work, I'm employed by the NAACP as well as, uh, as, well as a member um, at large at that. Um, but what's new, man, we, we are NAACP in terms of staff, um, our national president um, and CEO, Derek Johnson, um, has been uh, really focused on young energy um, and making sure that he hire um, young people like myself and many of my colleagues um, to really drive in new energy um, and tap into the NACP in a different way. Um, I think in terms of becoming a member of NAACP, NAACP.org, and you can hop on where it says memberships. Um, but right there, uh, depending on what city you in, uh, what state you in, there's a local we have, there's a local branch. Um, so be able to find your local branch uh, in your city uh, or in your state and, and, and be able to join right then and there. But you can join online at NAACP.org, uh, right where it says memberships. But I encourage folks just to look in their local look look in their local area, excuse me, and just see where their branch is at um, and join. 
and be clear, we need young people to join the NAACP branches. Um, you know, NAACP uh, traditionally is an older organization um, with older members, uh, but it is time for Gen Z, Gen, uh, the Gen Z, Gen Xs, and Millennials, honestly, to step up and be engaged in NAACP. We got programs like the Next Gen program that focus on um, ages, I believe, 18 uh, to 35-year-olds. So it's like a young professional uh, program, if you would, that caters directly to all of our needs. Amazing, amazing program on um, NAACP, and that's where a lot of our young members really engage with each other and build out work. Um, what's happening in Minneapolis? Um, our, um, our Minneapolis uh, president, NAACP president, she's young. She's a lawyer, uh, Leslie Redman. She's on fire. Um, she's, I mean, she. You wouldn't think um, that, a, uh, that that's a young chapter, but she's on fire there. And Georgia, James Major Woodall, youngest NAACP state conference president ever elected. Um, James is not even 30, and he's on fire there in Georgia um, and just lighting up stuff there. So we just need folks to join and get involved. Um, but we got a lot of amazing stuff going on with NAACP. Follow us on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're, we're being more trendier, if you will, focusing on digital. We got our own podcast that we do. Uh, we do our digital town halls. Um, you name it, uh, we do it, man, to really engage um, both generations or, or multiple generations um, because we can't do it with just one. All right. And for clarification, just let, no, just let the people know after you join what is expected. Like, you just can't join and say you're a member. Yeah, now, after you just like any organization, man, after you join, um, get involved. It's expected that you get involved and put in some work. Um, membership is only $35, I believe, and don't quote me on that, but membership is $35 for the year. Um, so you're paying $35 once a year. So once you get in, um, there's something for everybody. We got game changers from criminal justice uh, to uh, health, um, to um, economic uh, development, if you will, civic engagement. So get in, join, put in the work. Um, you got to work. It's a civil rights organization. Um, it's completely volunteer at the end of the day. Um, so all of our members across the country are volunteers. All right. So this is not all of our members got full time jobs or, you know, got families. They got things they're taking care of. So it's a volunteer based organization. But if you join, don't sit back um, and just say I'm paying my thirty five dollars a year to be a part. Uh, get out here and put in that work. We need you. Um, that's just real. All right. And I want to say thank you again for taking the time out. And could you let the um, listeners know the different social media platforms they can find you, find you yeah. in the organization that again? Yeah, um, you can find me, Dominic Whitehead, on um, Twitter, um, D underscore Whitehead87 um, on Twitter. Again, that's D underscore Whitehead87 on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, you can catch me at DW. Um, double underscore no author and that's a-r-t-h-u-r d-w double underscore no author and then facebook is just dominic whitehead um, but in terms of naacp easy to find us on instagram at naacp um, twitter at naacp um, and facebook at naacp um, or you can get all alerts and updates by just going to the naacp.org website um, and get all information there when it comes to naacp all right. And once again, I want to say thank you for um, coming up here and thank y'all for tuning. Thank y'all for tuning in. I right, appreciate it, man.